Plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story where it takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, comedy and impressions lover. And I'm Fran, super fan of reality TV and rom-coms. And we're from now. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Sometimes in moments like this, we get a little dramatic. Long pauses. Suspenseful music. Distasteful sound effects. All right, all right, we promised we wouldn't do this, but the day has arrived. We've been building up to this. We've been chatting about it on Plot Twist all year. It's the eagerly anticipated Game of Thrones prequel. House of the Dragon. It is here, and you can stream the first episode on now. Oh my goodness. Um, I actually got a little sneak preview, and let's just say it is sensational. So much build-up, a lot of anticipation. It hasn't failed to deliver. And to celebrate, we've got two stars of the show, Steve Toussaint and Eve Best, to join us. So we've got to delve into this world of this Targaryen dynasty set 200 years before Game of Thrones. So Steve Toussaint, he best play a power couple, essentially. He plays Lord Corlys Velaryon, a.k.a. the Sea Snake, and she plays Rhaenys Targaryen. She's the queen that never was overlooked for the throne, and Corlys is one of the richest men in Westeros and one of the greatest sailors ever to sail the seas, famous for nine voyages in the past, and together they're on the King's Council and very, very influential. And you may remember in Game of Thrones, there were three dragons. Well, there were 17 as part of this Targaryen dynasty. So you can see why they've been in power. But tensions are starting to build. Who's going to be the successor? Who's going to take on the Targaryen dynasty? And perhaps an internal civil war is on the horizon. But they're very much on the inside. So it'll be amazing to get their take. You may know Steve from Prince of Persia, Flight of Fury. And Eve's been in Nurse Jackie, great show on Showtime, and even played Wallace Simpson in The King's Speech. They both come with pedigree. So let's get to it. House of the Dragon special on Plot Twist. And there's been a little fun rumour about Steve in relation to his character. So I thought maybe that was a good place to start. Steve Toussaint, Eve Best, thank you for coming on Plot Twist. Absolutely thrilled. Oh, thank you. The anticipation is building. Um, mm. And I think your motto in life is enjoy the moment. And I've got to ask you both, mm. are you enjoying the moment? We're a week away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we are, except when people say we're a week away. Yeah. Uh, we get the countdown and you start thinking, oh, no, oh, no, people are <laughs> going to see it. But I think, yeah, you kind of just have to be present, be here now. I think that's what we're mm. trying to do. Yeah. I do get quite nervous, actually, with things. Like with Comic-Con, I was really nervous. Are you? Yeah, it makes me feel a bit sick to uh -huh. think about um, Is that <laughs> the more, fact more the that it's a week from the audience, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. No, when, when we're doing it, I don't get nervous. Yeah. But it's um, we're doing all of this stuff and the response yeah. and things. But um, what can we do? Just, um... when, when did you first get cast to now? How long has that process been? How, how long are we talking? Oh, I was good over a year. Over a year. I think because I was shooting something else towards the end of 
Hang on, what? This is 23 now. What? Hang on, what? It was October. 22. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. 20. So it was 20. Late 2020 was wow. when I, when I was yes, going through the process. Yes, me too. Yeah, it was around September, October 2020. Yeah. Quite a process, yeah. 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 That's amazing. Oh, gosh. Gosh, that's a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> well, before we get to some plot twist questions, I thought for the listeners, let's give a bit of background, um, mm -hmm. you know, about your characters, the mm. dynamic duo, power couple in yeah. the series. Um mm -hmm. So we have Rhaenys Targaryen, mm -hmm. your character. Rhaenys. Rhaenys Targaryen. Yeah. Um, the queen that never was, and she's yeah. with, call this... Velaryon. Velaryon. Velaryon, yeah. Call this I know Velaryon. it's terrible. We it's are, tricky, we are, it? Yeah, we are Valyrians, yeah. but our family name is Velaryon. Velaryon. Okay. Okay. It's bonkers. Yeah. But, and he's famed for these these voyages. He's done nine voyages nine in the past. Voyages, yeah. he's, he's brought diversity to, to, to lands through all the spices and materials. Yes. He's brought back from these ventures. Very, very rich man. Mm -hmm. And arguably one of the greatest sailors Westeros has ever seen. Yes. And played by a very talented actor in you, Steve. <laughs> you might know where I'm going, but you, you get a bit seasick occasionally. Oh, God. You see, I should never have learned that slip, right? <laughs> I should never. Oh, that's so bad. That. Yeah, and the thing is, I never used to have any kind of travel sickness at all. But it's just the last couple of times I've been on a boat, I went, uh, oh, God, years ago, I went deep sea fishing once off the coast of Charleston. Wow. In, oh, wow. Uh, and uh, suddenly I was sitting on the boat, and now I think I was sitting above the engine. And suddenly I was just like, oh, God, please make this stop. And that was the first time. And then I was shooting something, and I think it was in Guadeloupe, and we decided to go for a boat ride. And again, the same thing. So I'm like, oh, have I become one of those people? And then I get this gig. You know. Oh, the irony. I know. <laughs> Were there many scenes on boats where you had to sort of uh, <laughs> deal with that, or was it? Thankfully, no. Oh, Thankfully, okay. this time, no. So I'm very grateful for that. But I, I live in, uh, in dread, and I just wish I hadn't, hadn't said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing it up. I just thought <laughs> that, that was a bit of fun. A bit of fun to start with. Now, let's uh, ask a plot twist question. This is the Plot Twist podcast. Uh, the first one we ask is about uh, in your life or career, a sort of defining moment maybe that your own story has changed. Mm. Can either of you think of a particular standout moment? Yeah, mine mm. is, I think, what's going on with me right now is because um, I live in Italy and I suppose my the plot twist for me was Brexit, because oh, yes. I'd bought a little tumble-down, ramshackle, tiny little cottage in the mountains in Italy. Beautiful. Mainly as a, you know, as a, as a holiday place to, you know, just a place to go um, when I had a free time. And then I, I was hardly ever there because I was working all the time to pay for rent in a place in the UK, which was just so sort of backwards. <laughs> and um, when I remember the night of the Brexit the day of the Brexit vote coming mm. through, I just thought, right, I've got... To. And there were other things that were going on in my life as well that were just time to make some big changes. Mm. Um, it just felt very clear that everything needed to change and I needed immediately to go Clean and state. be in my place in Italy while I still could, while, mm. the, you know, while the fallout was still happening and while I was still technically European for, you know, for the last few moments. Yeah. And so I... Let, just let go of everything, put loads of stuff into storage, got rid of the place that I was renting in in the UK and packed up, bought this old second-hand car, packed as much as I could in the back of the car and drove across Europe and wow. just started this life in the middle of nowhere in oh. the mountains, on a mountainside with an olive... I, you know, I'm now like an olive farmer and I, <laughs> yeah. I basically... That's, that's my, you know, that's yeah. my life. And... Um, 
uh, you know, and I'm growing vines and pressing my own wine and growing my own veggies. And I just spend all day hauling wood or digging trenches or, make, you know, dealing with the land. And so it's been a total, total... Total contrast. Total wow. life change. Yeah. And... Yeah, and it's incredibly tough. It's not like going to Italy on holiday at all, as no, I've discovered. That's To my cost at times yeah. and dealing with the whole culture and the language and everything has just been really challenging. I was doing it on my own as well, yeah, which has been super challenging. Yeah. And a lot of people saying, but aren't you learning? A lot of people saying, aren't you afraid? Like all the Italian men, <laughs> like, aren't you afraid? And I'm like, well, I wasn't until no, you yeah. asked me that. Yeah, no. <laughs> now all kinds should of I, scenarios yeah, are going yeah. on in my head. So you, do you make but, wine? Was I wouldn't say I'd be selling it anytime soon. Oh, no, but it was back. alcoholic. When you come back, bring well, on the set I next think time. You know, last, bring, yeah. last, last year's wine has now turned into, I would say, really suspect vinegar. Oh, right. But um, if I make any this year, I'll do my own. I'll try and bring some. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Quite well, an interesting juxtaposition kind of between that life and then obviously this world of I tell you what, it was actually quite a good, it's quite a good prep in a weird way for... Because it's very, it's like the Wild West where I live. It's not yeah, at all like sort of Italian um, Riviera style. It's completely, you know, there are hunters with, you know, there's wild boar everywhere, wow. deer everywhere, wolves. I've got wolves in my wood who just sort of shot <laughs> past the thing. It's really, you know, it's really tough. Yeah, you know, I can imagine. Visceral life. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's quite, in some ways, it's much closer to a Westeros kind of yeah. Um, yeah. existence than, nice. than if I was if I was living in in London. Yeah. Gosh, that's extraordinary. Um, that is good. Anyway, so that's mine. Well, Steve, yeah. try and top that. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. That's, that's extraordinary. No, I, I, I'm trying to think because I, 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 in my life there have been people who have come in and, and advised me along the way and it's helped. I guess if I was to think about what was life-changing, it'd probably be way back when I was at university, actually. When I, I grew up in south-east London, mm. up on an estate in south-east London, so being, the idea of being an actor was never an option. Just didn't I didn't know any actors. I didn't go to the theatre. Um, Do you have any passion for it? I mean, I had passion for playing and for, you know, like when we did like skits and stuff at school, I enjoyed doing that. Mm. But I had no idea how you would do it. So mm. and I'd never seen an actor in real life. So I thought they just all lived somewhere else. But when I was at university, I did a play. And one of my friends was a student that one of the students, he had got into RADA, but then chose to do law instead. And he told me all about what it meant to be an actor, how you, mm. well, he's had to get into drama school anyway, and all that stuff. And I think that was the first time I even had an inkling that it was possible. So I, I, was, I guess that would be it. I think mm. that would be the first thing, because it, it was never on my horizon. Where mm. I grew up, we were going to, if you worked in an office, you were successful. That was it. You weren't working mm. with your hands. You were, you know, so that's, that was what I aspired to. And I was the first one in my immediate family to go to university. So I'd already made it. I'd already done it. Mm. Really my family, success, yeah, because yeah, my mum, yeah. when I was growing up, my mum was like, you know, once you get your O-levels, you can do what you want. So I got O-levels. And she was like, I was kidding. Once you get your A-levels, <laughs> do what you want. And it went all the way till I got a degree. And then yeah. when I got the degree, yeah, she yeah. was just kind of like, rats. Um, PhD. Right yeah, yeah, I, luckily she did, you know. Um, but yeah, so I, I would guess it would be that guy, his name was Chris, who, who basically just sort of opened up the world and said, no, no, mm. you People from where we are from can be actors, and, and not long after that, uh, yeah. Gary Oldman came oh, onto the scene. I was going to say, yeah, right, he's just from around the corner. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't know him, but I mean, it was like he's from New Cross as well. Oh, we can do it as well. Yeah, fantastic. But so I guess that would be the the thing. Amazing. That chance of someone just going, no, there's this option. Yeah. Which is kind of what we need. We all of us Amazing. need, really. 
I think it's just opening your horizons, isn't it? And just seeing, seeing whether it is possible, yeah, yeah, not yeah. closing doors. Like because that. I think sometimes we can we can often close our door, close the doors ourselves. Oh, yeah. I'll never be allowed to do that. I'll never yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. That's not for me. Too far fetched. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think that would be it. That mm-hmm. either him or just the fact that I went to university in the first place, because I also met people from around the world as well, which uh, helped shape talk, shape who I am. I think. Mm. Well, I'm glad you met Chris and then yes, and Gary right. later. Thank God for yeah. Chris. Yeah. Thank God for Chris. Um, House of the Dragon. Hmm. Got to talk about that, deep dive into it. Obviously, I said so much anticipation, but tell me about you, the first reaction when you get cast. I mean, I was talking with my producer before and was saying, well, how would you respond if you just get told I'm on, on this show? And you know, even at that point in you know 2020, that this is going to be a big yeah. super series based on what's preceded it. What was your okay, well, look, my, I'm a bit superstitious, so I don't like to... I mean, I, it's kind of like I was, oh, oh, my God, wow. And then I just, you know, my brain made me just go, OK, you just have to get on with regular life now. And very matter of fact, because it was the middle of the olive harvest, which is an incredibly mm. stressful <laughs> time. And I couldn't sort of go around dancing and sort of drinking champagne and yeah. whatever, you know, I just yeah. had to get on and focus. Yeah. And think also I mean just in general I was lucky because I didn't know the Game of Thrones I guess and not that I wasn't lucky because of that but in terms of not being freaked out by the scale Scale, of things so you know my agent was obviously really thrilled to bits and I was oh that's you know of course it's absolutely amazing and lovely to to have the job but I don't think then I didn't have any clue about the kind of Mm. nature of it or the world um, that I was about to plunge into so which was probably quite good so oh, then yeah, that I could just yeah. focus on the olive office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not get too much in your own head, I suppose, at that point. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise it might just freak, yeah. freak yeah. end up yeah, freaking absolutely. you out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, my reaction was pretty much the same. It was that thing that we always say, you know, the, the best moment in an actor's life is the phone call that tells you you got it. So the phone rings and your agent calls up and goes, darling, it's you. <laughs> and you go, yes. Oh, it really happens like that. Yeah. And then I put the phone down and go, oh, God, no. Oh. And, and so it, you have all these, ridic- well, I have all these ridiculous notions where you think, well, people have forgotten Game of Thrones, so there'd be no pressure. And then I'm talking to mates. What are you doing next? Oh, I'm doing this thing. It's, uh, you know Game of Thrones? It's a prequel. Oh, my God, that's going to be amazing. Your life's going to change, blah, blah. And so you start thinking about it. And as Eve said, you just have to put that aside because the acting is the acting. Mm. You still have to stand there and, and look into someone's eyes and try and, you know, emit some kind of truth. And so you then just put it aside, forget it. Until this process, mm. you know, it's shot and then suddenly, oh, they need you to be in L.A. for this. They need you to be in Amsterdam for this. And you're like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that job that I do. People have to watch it. And I feel like for a long period of time around my agents and management and so forth, I'm the guy going, no, hang on. People might not like it. It's possible because yeah. everyone's yeah. going, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. But this is before we'd even seen episode one, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Pressure's I'm the on. one that's, yeah, constantly going, well, let's, yeah. let's just not count our chickens because yeah. I've been in shows that I thought were brilliant and yeah. they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm sort of like, you know, yeah. I want people to love it, of course, because we yeah. spent the best part of a year on it. But there's it's nothing just, guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. And there's yeah. only a nothing we can do about it. Actually, also in truth, I mean, the, the shoot was so tough and so a lot of it for I think for most of us was just about how to kind of just physically put one foot in front of the other and Mm. just get on with the job in hand you didn't have time luckily to even think about any of that other stuff because it's just simply about just get on with it stay just stay alive have breakfast eat sleep as much as possible and then be able to say the words in the right order hopefully 
hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a bit of background in terms of the setting then, because in, in this first episode, we see that clearly the civil war is starting to build within the Targaryens. But you two as characters, and we obviously teed them up a little bit there, are kind of just sitting, not on the periphery, but you're just kind of, you're in the King's Council, but you're just there on the side, but very powerful in your own right. Mm. How does that sort of manifest as we kind of get into the series? <laughs> I always think in that scene we're a bit like the couple of guys in the Muppets. In the Muppets. Yeah. You're rubbish. You've been so far. Terrible. Right. Um, um, I, I always think... had that vision of us when we were. It's just a bit like watching them. Yeah. I think. I mean, they love each other as well. That's another thing. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a rarity. That's a rarity, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think. I, 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 I will only speak for Corliss. I think, despite the fact that they are removed slightly from it, he still craves the power of the throne. Mm. Mm. He feels the slight to his wife having been looked over. He thinks that she was way better qualified than the incumbent, who is a nice man. Mm. But not, not, not his strongest not man, looking. maybe. Yeah. Mm. And so he feels like we were insulted by that and we should write, write that wrong. And also, how comes the Targaryens are all this just because they got dragons? I built my house. And I think that all of that builds up inside him. So a lot of the season is him trying to find ways if he can't get his wife on the throne, to get his family as close to the throne and to power as he possibly can. It's legacy, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It legacy, exactly. And it's, um, as he says, history doesn't remember blood. It remembers names. And so that's what he's trying to do. And I think his ambition, while it's a good thing, it's also a flaw, mm. I think. But I, I can't speak for how. Rainey's. She doesn't seem as fast. She's a bit of a cool cat well, sitting back. Yeah, she's well, she's an ambiguous character, and I think she's very, very politically, very, very astute, very good at playing the game where, you know, perhaps sometimes Corliss is more combustible temperamentally, but she's, I think, from breeding and from why she would have been an amazing leader. Um, and just, but yes, by her temperament, she's just very good at spinning a lot of plates and appearing very very cool exterior and everything's just hunky dory tickety boo when it's actually you know quite patently not mm. <laughs> there's a lot going on underneath but I think that it's interesting that dynamic of us being because I'm very aware particularly in that moment of us being a, a very very powerful unit actually and it's partly because we're a couple mm. and we're because we're the only partnership true partnership that's based on love and mm. mutual respect in the whole show mm. i think in the whole land um, <laughs> yeah it's not a merger of convenience is no it? absolutely yeah, it's absolutely. a really is a genuine partnership and you know there's that thing in um play macbeth there's you know when he first greets Lady Macbeth, he says, I'm my dearest partner of greatness. Yes. And you feel that that is, that's something in their relationship and it's not that they're like Lady, they're not like Lady Macbeth and Macbeth no. necessarily, but that the strength of that connection and that mutual respect and the fact that they are of equal power and equal intelligence and really honouring each other in a way that, you know, men and women can at their, when they're at their best. Um, is very striking and is very mm. actually very intimidating. I think for everybody around them, it it gives them a sort of golden seal, doesn't mm. it? Somehow that mm. um, I think makes them extremely formidable. Uh, for, yeah, for, that's yeah. an excellent word. Thank you. Mm. It's sort of like having a dragon in the room that's just sitting there <laughs> biding its time, <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah. that it could at any yeah. moment wipe you out. 
I think one of the things that will resonate with the audiences, and it probably did with Game of Thrones as well, is how it relates to society today. Absolutely. Obviously, you've got the dragons and the medieval themes, but you've mm. got, you know, families arguing, you've got inheritance there, mm. you've, you know, politically stabbing you in the back. We've, yeah. we've seen that in, in modern day politics very recently. <laughs> so, Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is something that's going to work, isn't it? With the I audience? hope so. I mean, yeah. I think a, a, a drama, well, a show, reflects the time that it's made anyway. We were just discussing the fact that the very first season of Game of Thrones was shot pre-Me Too. Mm. And here we are in a yeah. post-Me Too world. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. there is some resonance of that in the show. It's still a brutal show. There's still these very strong ideas of what relationships are and where, where men are and where women are. But at the same time, it is the relationship between two, three women, basically. It's, these, it's Rhaenys, Rhaenyra and Alicent. These three women are the core of this thing. The woman who was overlooked because she's a woman mm -hmm. and the one who's been named and the one who's trying to get her children to the throne. So suddenly we have this drama, which is about the patriarchy crumbling or it's fighting its last throes to maintain power. And that is what we see today. Yeah. That the, I think the, the established establishment in a way, yeah mm. and suddenly now all these other voices we're hearing we're not just mm. hearing from people of color but we're hearing from women we're hearing from people who are non-gender specific all these people sort of going no no i have a voice and i want to be heard mm. and there are those people who have been the traditional power structure just going mm. i don't want to be involved in that i'm mm. not going to use your preferred pronouns i'm not going to you know what i mean it's so we're still that's where we're at i think and I things, think yeah to a, unraveling. yeah and to a basic extent i think this show is reflecting that if you want to look yeah. at it that way, I mean, you could just look at it as, yeah. well, people cut people's heads off and, you know, you can look at it for that story. too. Somebody no, said, um, uh, it's basically, when we were, we were talking about it with another journalist and sort of describing the rough trajectory, and he said, oh, it's basically Christmas Eve in, a, in an Italian family. Which feels quite right, yeah. actually. Very passionate, yeah. I like yeah. that. You mentioned about the sort of the casting element what's been the response to you being cast because you've said, I think you said in other interviews that there's mm. been people have said well that they couldn't picture in a sci-fi sort of setup a person of colour being in that role which is yes. really quite frustrating actually it's, 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 it's rather I think it's rather silly but yes there has been some people who have found this objectionable mm. um, from the moment it was announced my first photo there was some racial abuse which was a surprise it wasn't a surprise because you know, I'm black there. and I've lived this world. <laughs> but it was like, wow, so quick and so so blatant. Goodness me, you're not even trying to hide it, except you are because you're on a keyboard. But I kind of think there are some people who read the books and they would consider themselves to be Puritans. And so when they read them, maybe there's a description of Corliss, I don't know, or mm. or we tend to see people as we want to see them. When you read a book, you, you have your own picture, mm. you know, because we want to see each other. Um, so there's been that. But then for all of the bits of negativity that I've come across, and some people have gone out of their way to make sure that I see their negativity because there are discussions that are taking place on platforms that I'm not on. Mm -hmm. But then there are people who decided, I'm going to tag him because I want him to know how I feel. And I kind of go, well, there are shows that I watch or that I don't watch that I don't like. I don't like the idea of them. I've never felt the need to broadcast that I don't like that particular mm. show or that I don't like that particular actor or performer because there's so much other things going on in my life for me to be sort of going, I want you all to know that I don't like him. <laughs> and so I think if you read that 
the black guy is playing the rich guy in that show and that bothers you, don't watch it. But if you feel the need to insult him and then spread it around the world that you don't like that show, I'm like, man, you need to sort your priorities out because yeah, you don't you have really a life. Do. Yeah. Get out of the bedroom, <laughs> really, bro. Really do. Put your pants on and get out. There's a world out there. Yeah. I don't think they are. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're staying in the whole time. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've seen the first episode. I think, yeah, you're both marvellous. So oh, thank you. Um, and I hope that, that your casting does change those perceptions when it comes to... Uh, that, that, that would yeah. be a positive Well, I mean, look, I mean, it, the, I, we, we were talking but, about this this morning and there was a big furore when Daniel Craig was named as the new Bond because people were going, blonde, a blonde Bond? Blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. and now everyone's, <laughs> most people are like, he's one of the best of the Bonds yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I'll get that trajectory, but hopefully people will just be open-minded. No, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Visual transformation. Now HBO is known for the sort of production and the props and the behind the scenes. What was it like for both of you? <laughs> you know, you sit in the the, you know, the chair an hour and a half, I'm assuming, probably. Yeah. You, you would assume that's directly. Assume? That's... Oh, okay. I, add, a, add an extra hour onto that and then another oh, day. Really? For, well, for yeah. me. Well, yeah. when we first started, it was a two-day process. You're because kidding. I had Well, I had hair down to my waist. Yeah. And to plat it all because I, I had to have it all plaited down to my skull you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really tight little plaited away that took a really long time so yeah. I had to come in the day before to get that all done and then come in on the actual day at, it started off it was a three hour call I think and then we got it down to about two hours because I said I've really got, I'm, really not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. handling this well yeah. I've got a life um, yeah. I need to sleep I think yeah um, and uh so, but it was long and it was, you know, putting on a bald cap and a skull cap and then painting and then more plaiting and more thing. And then the wig went on. It was all just took a very long time indeed. Yeah. And then Steve, so about my process five was minutes to go. Horrendous, my process. I mean, I was in the chair for, I think, 20 minutes, which was just... But you have quite a visual transformation. Yeah. 20, I mean, oh, the irony again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I can't complain. It was very simple. I mean, uh, they basically two or three months before we started shooting, they said, don't shave. So I didn't. Mm. And the, the wig was so simple for me. I felt almost embarrassed yeah, when I realized should, how long it was you. I think Paddy had a long time. Yeah, I think Matt, I, I, I think was everybody. the longest, except for when Paddy had prosthetics. But there was one day that I came in at the same time as Paddy, who was also doing prosthetics. And somebody said, why are you here? <laughs> Paddy's doing, having all this plastic put on his face. But I mean, what, you? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the yeah. move. But then once you're in it and you... What about when you first see the man? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. You look in the mirror and just go, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember um, I hadn't seen Olivia for a while. We'd, we'd yeah. had the rehearsal and stuff, but we hadn't, you know. And I, I walked onto the makeup bus. I was in the fourth thing, and I remember her sort of going, <gasps> and just sort of turning and looking. Oh my god! Because it was such a transformation from yeah. this to, to that. So yeah, that was the that was the preferred effect. That was the desired effect. Yeah, joy. That's pretty awesome. Mm. It's um, I'll come back to a couple more questions on that. But I thought I'd ask mm. you about a plot twist person. So somebody behind the scenes at some point in your life that's maybe been an unexpected influence. Is anyone that I suppose you've already quite mentioned a couple, Steve, already. Yeah, but this is your guy. I sort of feel like everybody is, is interesting was in there some a, ways. But, um, was there a tutor or someone my, who was like, like... That sort of thing. Yeah, you're well, but they're great. Not, not really, that's not a plot twist because they... Doesn't turn you off somewhere else. Doesn't turn you into... Were you always going to go into acting? Was that the, um, yes, the angle think, for you? Yes, I was because my mum was an actress, so I sort of grew up with the world and the, it felt like... Um, 
something that was, you know, in my makeup. Um, and used to do little play, really obnoxiously do little plays, endless plays for parents, <laughs> and parents, friends, and I was starring, directing, writing everything. Oh, brilliant! So annoying, and I think casting all my sister and all my little cousins as sort of really minor yeah. roles. I love it. I just love Incredibly it. bossy. Yeah, I just thought you were just sort of like. I'm not sure if I believed yeah, you. I was, sort of, I was my own Steven Spielberg. Yeah. No, but not Steven Spielberg. My own sort of Orson Welles. Yeah. Um, but yes, in terms of plot twist, well, I mean, I think again, my my, I've got two incredible friends in Italy who are both beekeepers, and they're organic beekeepers, and they keep you know many hives all around the region, and they have at my place about thirty or forty hives, and that was a really for me has been a, an amazing kind of discovery because I basically share my life with about a million bees, wow, wow. and. I mean, first of all, it's quite weird because you're literally there just all around all the time. And, you know, first of all, you're just thinking, gosh, if, any, if you were here, you would I'm, not, uh, if you were there, you wouldn't love Not a fan, Steve. I'm second. just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you're so scared because, yeah. you know, they're, they're just flying all around. and they oh, can't, um, can't have it. Well, there's a group, though, so, it's okay. They're so jolly. Really? Is it? I think so. No, but you don't have, they don't, they're not like a swarm. They but don't, they, they all, don't hunt as a pack. They're just doing their thing. They're yeah. just yeah. hanging yeah, out on flowers. And And what I learned about things like, you know, if you, they, there was one time when they got addicted. I, I was making this tea because I love drinking tea all the time, and I was making it with them, um, you know, fresh mint and some other things. And the bees started to love it, and they got oh. addicted to it. So I would literally, if I was sitting outside, I'd have to pour a cup for myself and then a cup for the bees. It was really? so mad. You having tea yeah, with the bees? Literally. Oh wow! Cause they so get, organic. You know, because they get because well, no, because they were just they were jealous, and I was like, you can't have mine, guys. So then I would have to pour another cup so that they would be drinking. Did you? Did you actually? Did you actually say that? Just to say, you can't have mine, guys. To, do you speak to these bees? Is that I might have. <laughs> I'm learning so much. I'm so glad I came. <laughs> do you think I'm a weirdo? I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I'm scared. I've got lavender outside the front of my house and there's bees swarming. Yes, around you it. see, they're so happy. That. They yeah. love yeah. it. Yeah. And it's fulfilling. It's so, and they're so, and I've got to say, you know, they're, we've, we've got to look after oh, them, yeah, man, because so you yes. know, they, they are yeah. our life. I mean, we're, we're here because of them. And it's just, and that's been a very sort of great kind of eye-opener. So I guess that's a kind of plot twist for me that I did not expect to be yeah. in that. Scenario. I love this organic life you've got. Yeah. It's brilliant. I'm going to get some lavender. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, get some lavender. Because I like, they always come by the smell. kitchen door and yeah. I don't want them by the door. So yeah. if I've got the lavender, they'll go over there. Put the lavender in there. It's horrible. They come to the door and I'm just like, come on, boy. That's <laughs> nice, though. They're good. They're your friends and allies. Yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> well, guys, we've run out of time, but I've mm. loved chatting to you oh, both. Thank you Good so luck much. with the series. Thank I you. I think it's going to go down very, very well. Good. And hope we can speak soon. Great. Thank Take you care. very much. Big, big thank you to Steve Toussaint and Eve Vess. Really, really fun chat. And I've got to say, you know, I knew we delve into House of the Dragon and all the sort of themes surrounding the show. I didn't think organic farming would come up, but that's <laughs> the beauty of plot twist, I suppose, in that you do get these uh, interesting juxtapositions between organic farming in Italy and then being on the set of one of the biggest shows, arguably in history. So, yeah, very, very interesting. With Steve, you know, one thing I found really interesting was what he was saying about how he got into acting as part of his plot twist and that 
it was never really on his radar. And we've had a few guests that have said something similar. And actually, when you see somebody from a similar area, somewhere where you've grown up, like you said, with Gary Oldman, it's like, oh, you're from my neighborhood. You're from my block. Actually, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is possible. I think there's a really nice sort of uh, sentiment in that. So that was that was really nice to see. And of course, we spoke about the show, as I said earlier in the, in the intro, it, it does not disappoint. And they're both their characters. I'm very intrigued as to where they go in the story. You know, there's going to be this tension between two sides of the Targaryen household. Where are they going to sit in amongst that? And, and obviously their influence and their power outside of dragons is substantial. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the 10 episodes. And I love the conversation about makeup as well. I mean, you, you go and have a look, have a Google and look at them as uh, as themselves, as Steve Toussaint, the best versus their characters. Just see the transition. It is quite extraordinary. But also the fact that there was such a contrast between his time in the chair, in the makeup chair versus hers. 20 minutes versus a couple of days. That's <laughs> that's, that's the difference there. But yeah, it goes to show the level of investment in production to visually enhance and to really create this Westeros world. Extraordinary. So you need to go and check it out. The first episode is out. It's out there. Go and watch it on now. It is dropping weekly over the next 10 weeks. It's going to be sensational. Well, there we go. Big thank you again to Steve Toussaint and Eve Best. Thoroughly enjoyed that. I think in the meantime, I, I need to go and watch this episode again, really get into the detail of it. So until next time, enjoy House of the Dragon on now. Uh-huh.